West may have been the greatest parapsychologist in our field, but do we have to visit his old home? It gives me the creeps. Think of it as a school research project. Besides, the house is empty. What can happen? <coughs> Jennifer, what? what is it? <coughs> After a fight in the dark. What? What happened to me? What happened to Jennifer? My head. Something's wrong. Can't see straight. What's the matter? Arr, my face. It's covered with the terror mask. The terror mask. Legend tells that the wearer is granted vast power, but can't remove it. If I take it off, I may never get Jennifer back. Rest in pieces, you ugly slime balls. Oh, yeah? Nothing can keep me from getting Jennifer back. I'm as good as dead unless you can help Rick rescue me in the all-new Splatterhouse. Turbo 16 Graphics. Splatterhouse is a trademark of Namco, 1988. Namco. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Teenage Mutant Random Banter. Teenage Mutant Random Banter. Teenage Mutant Random Banter. Heroes in a Half Shell. Random Banter. I'm not going to dignify that with a response because it upsets me so much. And for you, gentle listener, who do not know why, I'll just go ahead and say this. Just hang about. We'll explain the TMNT connection, rainbow connection, such as it were. It's very much even on the cover of the comic. Yeah, pretty much. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me. Tantalizing tidbits of trivia. And other stuff in your life. How you been? This is about a week removed from this actual event, but, and by the time this comes out, it's going to be another, like, month down the road, but uh, during the weekend of President's Day, I think President's Day was that weekend, I had that day off, so I... I I think so. I think that was it. I think it was Valentine's Day, President's Day. Valentine's Day, President's Day, yeah. That weekend in Portland, Oregon, we got a fairly impressive snowstorm. It wasn't the epic levels that hit Texas, but... uh, we made a pretty good showing ourselves, and it was one of those occasions where late Friday night, like midnight, I'm playing a game in my uh, upstairs, and I'm looking out my back window, seeing over the valley, the, the green space that we kind of look over, and I'm watching all these blue flashes of light at different Transformers start popping around there because yeah. of all the ice and snow and all the lines coming down, and... Sure enough, power went out midnight Friday night, and we was without power until 1 o'clock Tuesday. So that was enjoyable. Yeah, no power. You know, of course, no internet. It was very, very cold in our house. Luckily, I've got a very nice friend who has a nice indoor propane heater that they were able to lend me. Thank you once again for that, Jeff. You're very welcome. I'm glad that we could help you in any kind of small way. Yeah. No, it it was appreciated. It was not an enjoyable time. I'm just trying to keep our 
animals warm, trying to keep my wife and daughter warm, piled on the blankets, piled on the sweaters, gave up Monday night, said, I'm getting a hotel room. So we went and hung out in a hotel room and we were nice and warm and watched TV all night as we laid out of bed and <laughs> took nice warm showers and and went back to the cold house until I came back on that afternoon. But yeah, um, then we then we had another three days without internet, so which is rough too in its own little way. I know the the modern era of like you know the hierarchy of needs where you're like well, internet, my internet's out. I could probably do without water, but I need my internet. The, the strange thing was is that I was more annoyed that the internet was out than the power. It's like the power's yep. out. Okay, we're back to caveman times. You know, we're just mm-hmm. we're surviving. We got a camp stove. We're doing what we can. Then it was just like a tease. It's like, well, you got your power back, but you can't use internet. Like, <laughs> then what you are know, we doing here? Then what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, all that work that you need to get caught up on because yeah. everything is internet based now. Mm, no. At that point in time, we just sent my daughter over to my parents' house. They had internet. She could do her school work there. I went into work down in Salem. My wife went to her work, and we just, you know, masked up, and we're going to go for it. Yep. It was weird going back to my work, though, because they had sent everybody home. There was nobody there. It was a ghost town. It was very strange. Anyways, that's what uh, that's what I was up to. And, you know, got caught up in some reading, which was nice. Finished finished reading Bone and uh, oh, actually cool. finished reading the present, the late present I got from you guys, where you guys gave me March. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's about the civil rights leader and talking about all that stuff. Yeah, three trades collected together. Yeah, it's uh, Hillary loves that one. So, yeah, yeah. I, I burned through that as well. And that was quite amazing. Thank you very much. It was a very thoughtful gift. I really, really enjoyed reading it. Found myself putting it down a lot, picking up my phone and just like, I want to learn more about this event. You know, yep. please tell me more. So that was very good. But what's been new with you, my friend? Well, during that uh, snow and ice storm that we had, we had power, we had heat, we had water, we had internet. So we were fine. So uh, barely even uh, worth talking about. I mean, it was a non-occurrence weather-wise. So I don't know what everybody else's complaint is. But (laughs) here's my complaint for the recent things. My daughter is taking online classes, like a music class and a dance class and a preschool class and stuff. We did the very first uh, online dance class today, this morning. Aurora, who wanted this class showed zero interest in it. So it was me and Hillary doing, uh, you know, dance class stuff for a three-year-old. And here's what I've discovered uh, about dance classes for three-year-olds. Uh, they make me feel old and tired and fat because it's like, okay, we're going to do some stretching. I'm like, can't reach those toes. Okay, we're going to do this. Well, that hurts my knees. Now let's do this. I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> so that's what I learned about myself today. <laughs> yep. Sounds sounds legit. Sounds legit. Yep. Kids yep. Uh, kids activities are not designed for adult bodies who have just been like, I'm just I'm just so tired. I just I'm just so tired. I guess what's fun? I don't know. Laundry. I'll go do laundry. <laughs> How about a dance class? Yeah, let's do that. Oh my, everything creaks and cracks and hurts. So, but yeah, so that that's my thing. I did a a dance class and uh, don't like to brag, but learned myself a dance routine and I'm pretty fly on that dance floor with it i want to tell you all that uh my life just became a lot more complicated because now i've got a zoom screen where i get to see jeff doing these dance moves and let me tell Here's you folks let, me, let me tell you folks it's stars it's, shoot over that way it's stars up it's all all all, all i'm seeing is is Point. The, the the camera right then at that moment was just at waist we'll level belt, belt and lower viewpoint. Okay. 
Jeff, can you please give us a two cents replay for the last episode? <laughs> eject, eject, eject. Tired of his expanding bald spot, Alex goes to the barber to get a buzz cut to hide it and then goes with his family and Franklin, who now lives with them full time because his terrible parents thought it would be a good idea to not parent him anymore, to the circus to give his shorn locks a whirl and for Julie to hopefully meet and marry the rich prince that will be in attendance. But it wouldn't be a Marvel circus unless the Circus of Crime was there. So of course, the Circus of Crime is there to commit the least planned out caper in history that basically involved grabbing a priceless jewel adorned turban and then running around with it until Power Pack catches them, which is resolved by the Ringmaster hand-waving away the entire encounter. Now that the, the most important thing that we learned this issue is that the unnamed homeless man that they have been traveling with for several issues is named Raymond. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to reach into that magical brown sack that was left on your doorstep one sunny, sunny day and tell me what happens or what kind of feelings you get you get when you pull out said can of beer. Mmm. It has arcane writing on the bag saying episode 78, Power Pack 60. What could it mean? What do we got? We've got, oh, <laughs> happy times. Island Brewed Maui Brewing Company. Coconut Hawa. Porter, a robust dark ale with hand-toasted coconut and hints of mocha. Mmm. Mmm. Mm, this and, might be a tasty good one. And why might I have given you this beverage, which has got an ABV of 6.0 and an IBU of 30? Oh, let's see. Coconut... Hawaii, Porter, surf's up, dude, cowabunga! You could say that. Also, if you turn around the can just a little bit, there's a nice little engraving of a turtle there. A turtle! Oh! <laughs> it's, a, it's a Hona. It's a Hona. Very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, that's a kind of artistically cut kind of yeah, uh, Islander art style turtle in there. And the, the can is really pretty. It has the Hawaiian islands on it. It has Maui is in white where the other ones are in brown. And the top third of the can is black with, you know, words on that. And the bottom is, you know, white and kind of a, a bronzy color. And it looks really neat. It, it's a, it's a kind of a classy looking can. And I am looking forward to getting into this and eating me some coconut. Yeah, we, we both went with the turtle themes, even though there's turtle illusions, but there is no actual... Well, there are actual turtles, I guess. But, yeah. Yes, there are... There's a cartoon, cartoon. there's some action figures, and then there's some other characters in here that are very turtle reminiscent. <laughs> Something like that. Mm -hmm. So as far as this goes, this is a very, very, very dark motor oil type beer, being a porter and all. You get that sweet coffee roast, a little bit of coconut smell that's in there as well. Yeah, wow, hold that up to the light, and that is opaque. That is super, super dark. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, you uh, give it a sniff and you get that kind of... It's pretty mild, really. But yeah, it's a, you kind of get that toasted kind of aroma, kind of a toasted coffee ground, kind of a toasted chocolate kind of a kind of scent. Mm -hmm. The coconut is not really coming through on the nose for me. It basically smells like a porter. Yeah, it's it's got the it's got the porter. I'm, I'm getting the coffee smells. I'm getting a lot of the other the other scents in there. Taste wise, I'm getting getting that coconut. Coconut always comes in a little bit like burned for me, but I but it's not yeah. that bad. 
but I'm getting that coconut taste, and I'm getting the coffee notes. The taste that I'm kind of getting in there, it's like the coconut has been toasted too long. It's like coconut husk is kind of the flavor I'm getting. I'm not getting toasted coconut because I've had coconut beers before that are very coconut forward, where you're like, "Mm, Mm hmm, yes, I taste the coconut. But they do run the gambit from that to that very much just like like toasted husk kind of flavor, yeah, yeah. which is what I'm getting more of on this. Yeah, I, I can get that. I can get that. Coconut is not always one of my favorite tastes. I'm not a coconut hound, but I don't I don't hate it. So when it's done good, it is really really good. Now I'm, I'm getting more of the I'm getting more of the coconut taste uh, in the back end on the back end of the drink instead of the front end. The more I go through it, it's not bad. I like it. Once again, it's a porter. So yeah, I'm I'm inclined to like it a bit more. Anyways, I like the meteor drinks, and this is a meteor drink. Last time we 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 met and had a beer, it's actually uh, episode seventy six point five. Our new mutants uh, look over. We had a beer that was very smooth. Actually, yeah, it was very smooth, but it was just okay. This has got a yeah, it was deep, a nitro stout. Yeah, this has got a deeper flavor. This has got a much deeper flavor. It's more full bodied than that other one. I'm liking this one. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. It does have a more complex flavor profile going on with it. It's not quite what I was uh, expecting it to be, but it's not bad. Porters are very hit or miss for me, where it's just like, oh, I'm looking forward to, and it doesn't. It either doesn't live up to my expectations, or it or it exceeds them. So, yeah. hey, it's life. It's life, but it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I just hope it'll get us through this book. <laughs> well, I'm sure that it will. <laughs> Let's find out. Opening credits, if you please, for this book. Power Pack, issue number 60, November 1990. Back to school. Credits. Writer, Michael Higgins. Penciler, Tom Morgan. Inker, Dave Cockrum. Letterer, Chris Eliopoulos. Colorist, Nell Yomtov. Editor, Mike Rockwitz. Chief, Tom DeFalco. With Seth Crutchkow, plot assist. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Massmaster. He's going through some changes. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed. She is moving from the 80s big hair to grunge punk. Jack Power, a.k.a. Destroyer. He is being the best Jack he can be. Katie Power, a.k.a. Counterweight. She is taking Julie's big hair and running with it. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletale. He has apparently been adopted by the Power parents, which may be an improvement for him. Guest starring Jim and Maggie Power. Dad is barely hanging in there. Mom is falling off the cliff of sanity. Philip Masters, the Puppet Master. Oh boy, he likes to play with radioactive clay and control people. Yay! Hey, Rick. Yeah? Boo! Ah, why did you do that? Oh, I wanted to start off the show with a really impressive dramatic moment. Well, you could have chosen some other way, like revealing that you discovered that we are really long-lost cousins or something. You didn't have to scare me. Wait, why would you joke about us being related? That's, that's horrible, frightening, and just a tad creepy. No, no. I did it as a better example of starting something off with a dramatic reveal. I mean, I was just doing a quick jump scare. You had to bring, like, psychological pain into the conversation. I mean, why not just turn me into a horse? Yes, yes. Now we are back to Power Pack. And this book starts off with a dramatic reveal that Alex has turned into a chameleon. Wait, what? That's Alex? Yes, of course it is. He is incorrectly telling his siblings and Franklin that he is 13, but correctly telling them that he has turned into a chameleon. Okay, not that I do not believe you, but if that is the case, 
If that is Alex, why is he not wearing Alex's clothes or his power pack uniform? Why is he wearing a red and white chameleon uniform with a lightning bolt symbol on the left breast? Hmm. Um, that is a good question, and possibly the only one that is not being asked by his family. But you are right. His physical transformation includes a sartorial-style switch. It also includes his own personal zoom background of a swirling purple vortex with a sun in the middle. Needless to say, this is a thing. Alex is understandably distraught, as is pretty much every reader of this comic book back in the early 90s. I mean, we all know how awkward it is to go back to school after a summer holiday where changes have occurred to your body, but this is ridiculous. First day school pictures are going to be awkward. And what about all the new school clothes your parents bought? His siblings are trying to be supportive. Katie even offers him an apple to eat. She heard that horses like apples. Okay, I personally would prefer a sugar cube, but still, she doesn't do either of those things. But Jack does give the warning that their dad is coming, and Alec pulls a Kaiser Sose. And just like that, he is gone. He is happy that he can still cloud up and fly away out of a window, but he is incredibly depressed and upset. In fact, he thinks that maybe he should just keep clouding out, completely dissipating until he is nothing but air and doesn't exist anymore. He bets that no one has ever committed suicide like that before. Um, Kitty Pride tried it in 1987 in Fantastic Four vs. the X-Men. It made Franklin cry, though, so she stopped short. Uh, what? Ask Hoover about it. A goateed Jim walks into the bedroom, counts four kids, and forgets that he has an older son. He lets his three remaining children and Franklin know that Maggie wants to see them before they leave for school, but they are not to mention their superpowers. At all. They all pile into the bedroom to see Maggie, who is looking... Better? Actually, she looks incredibly different. Younger, and somehow relaxed, sitting there in a bathrobe on the bed. As the family happily hugs and interacts with Maggie, Jim finally realizes that he is missing a member of the herd. Yeah, somehow he messed up the nose count earlier, which, you know, if you think about it... Luckily, Jack is there with an excuse. Actually, he tries for an excuse. Oh, uh, that Alex. He is, uh, downstairs. He couldn't wait to see Alice again after summer vacation. Jim finds it difficult to believe that Alex would choose a girl over family, obviously forgetting that Alex is a teenager. Soon the kids are prepping for their first day of school, which includes Julie loading her bag with beauty supplies and Katie wishing she could wear makeup, but settling for a G. Franklin is just excited about his first day of school and meeting a lot of new friends. Oh boy, meeting new friends is my favorite! But do you know who says he has enough friends? Jack! He is not looking forward to the first day of school, probably because he's too cool for it. What with being a superhero and all. In fact, Jack is kind of bitter about everything. Even the chance sighting of an older couple kissing each other goodbye. His warning... Don't let any girl catch you, because it was up or all over you, and the next thing you know, you'll be married. Hey, that's my bit. Wait, wait. Actually, by my count, Jack has gotten more kisses from more teenage girls than any other member of the team. Am I right? True, true. But let's take a second and recognize this couple. Franklin remembers the lady from the last issue as Mrs. Masters. The one who said she has a young boy just like Franklin. The old guy she is with is bald, thin, and amazingly recognizable if you guess that he has the same last name of Masters. Just like Franklin's Aunt Alicia's father. A guy who has terrorized the Fantastic Four for years. The Puppet Master. Nope. Franklin, quite possibly the world's smartest kid with an insane psychic power set, does not recognize his parents' nemesis. Or 
one of his parents, Nemesis. Nemesi. Nemesis. But, oh well, he's off to school. Franklin and Mrs. Masters say hello, then she ruffles Jack's hair because that is what adults do sometimes. Meanwhile, we go inside the apartment with the Puppet Master, who is thinking about how his life has changed and how he is no longer the Puppet Master. Seems that he has regret for what he has done in the past, and he has met a new woman who loves him. He now spends his days caring for her special needs son at home. Apparently, he is very happy now and very much in love with his new family. Another thing that is loved a lot is this young child's favorite cartoon, an absolute ripoff of TMNT called Adolescent Microwave Shell-Shocked Amphibians. Philip Masters used his doll-making talents to create action figures based on the cartoon for this young child. I wonder where this story could possibly go with a setup like that. How about outer space in the 24th century? Wait, what? No! Puppet Master made dolls based on TMNT characters. They will actually control those characters. Why are you looking at me like that? Because you are almost right. But we are going to be taking a detour to get to the creatures from an early 1980s comic book that takes place in the 24th century and was set in space. That doesn't even make sense. Ah, uh, let's just go check on the kids. They are walking to school, observed by a cloudy Alex. They walk by a sewer cover, which opens a short time later after a declaration that the coast is clear. And a pack of four aliens from Seagram 7 hop out onto the very populated street in search of pizza. Yes, pizza. But those are not turtles. No, they are more like uh, alien snails. They have green arms and legs. They have a brown carapace with a reddish shell on their backs. Their heads are brown and their eyes are on eye stalks. And they are from the 24th century, fresh off of the Hercules Prince of Power miniseries from the early 80s. What does this have to do with Power Pack? Nothing. Nothing at all. But don't worry, the kids did not notice and Alex is off in the park screaming to God about why this happened to him. Uh, apparently he is religious now. So that's new. What's also new is a cloud that envelops him for one panel before it disappears and is promptly forgotten about. Back with the kids, who are still walking to school. Now we are in for some crazy antics with these four aliens as they are clambering over each other, climbing telephone poles, and tumbling and jumping through the air with the greatest of ease, all just technically out of the eyesight of Power Pack. Franklin gets a precognizant warning of danger. A crane is going to fall on them. This very reliable source of precognitive warnings for danger is for some reason ignored by Julie, who says that everything is fine. There's no need to panic. Everything's all right. Just then, one of the aliens crashes into a construction crane, knocking it down and almost killing the kids. Luckily, Katie saw the falling crane, and Julie flies the kids out of the way, saving them all from the, who would have guessed that a crane would have fall from them right now? And then... They costume on to investigate the cause of the crash? No, they continue to head to school. Oh, um, okay. Well, fine. We always like the slice-of-life things. Maybe we can have some interesting and fun interactions that stretch out the character beats for our favorite kids. Jack sees his old friend Ron, who is sporting a sweet young MC in concert shirt, and immediately he tells the younger kids to beat it as the big kids have stuff to talk about. That's uncharacteristic of Jack to act that way with Franklin, but, you know, okay. What else is going on? Over at a bigger yet kid school, Julie says hi to Allison, who is looking like she is in her mid-twenties. 
and she's still looking for Alex. Julie stumbles her way into a lie and says that Alex has the flu, but then she rolls a willpower fumble and agrees that it would be okay for Allison to come visit Alex after school. Wow. Almost good cover there, Julie. But what about Katie and Franklin? Well, okay. Couple of things. First, Katie is sure that Franklin is going to be in a younger grade than her because he's a little kid, but it turns out that he might not be the little kid that Katie calls him because he's going to be in the same grade as she is, which upsets her for some reason because we are going back to this trope. Also, he isn't going to be Franklin Richards, he's going to be going by Franklin Benjamin, which is a nice pseudonym, but this also upsets Katie as she introduces him by the wrong name to the teacher. Okay, uh, that's some good stuff, but why are you looking so nervous? Well. Their teacher's name is Miss Raymond. Miss Raymond. Hmm. That is a familiar name for some reason. Yes, it is. As she approached the kids, she was thinking to herself not to bother the kids with her problems. And boy, howdy, does she have some problems. Her husband was Thomas Raymond, a.k.a. Toro, a fire user much like the original Human Torch, who he was friends with and partnered with. He apparently died during a recent fiasco with the Submariner and the Mad Thinker. She went to the West Coast Avengers to get them to help her. She should actually still be out there on the West Coast, falling in love with the original Human Torch. And she should be a brunette instead of a blonde. Okay, this is a complicated mess that really has nothing to do with Power Pack, right? You'd think so, but we should probably move on anyways. That explanation was so long, school has ended, and the kids are on their way home, but not before they get some pizza. And you know who else likes pizza? TMNT, or in this weird book, those snail things from the futuristic outer space. Yeah, they've been chomping on the za for a while. So long, in fact, that they have created a very large bill. One that they are not inclined nor able to pay. Well, that could be a problem. The pizza owner, who we better call Saul, is getting a bit annoyed, and then some guy in the shop offers to pay for those obvious celebrities. All of this is creating a bit of a scene. A scene that the pack joins in on as looky-loos. And all is okay until Franklin gets all wide-eyed and possessed, and starts attacking one of the full-tummied, crash-landed spacefarers. Well, that's a thing. Then Franklin appears in front of a brooding and long-in-the-face Alex. Wait, what? Well... Franklin is only partially possessed, so he was able to dream self himself over to Alex and cry for help. Specifically, he finally remembers that he saw the Puppet Master, and this must be who is causing all of this mischief. Meanwhile, the rest of the pack is kind of standing there on the sidewalk with their mouths open as Franklin defenestrates a poor pizza pounder. The four sassy snail dudes head back towards the sewers, taking the angry punching boy that has been whooping them with them for, you know, some reason. Not a move I would do, but, you know, to each his own. Julie costumes on in front of the busy business and flies down after them. She says that she normally wouldn't do this in front of people, what with the media still wondering who they are and all. But this is an emergency. Yep. Just like last issue, when they were in a crowd at a circus and they costume on. It was an emergency then, too. Jack and Katie quickly follow behind her and wisely costume on after they have shut the manhole cover over themselves. Okay, now we are down in the sewers again. Good, great. Nothing bad has ever happened down here to them. The kids quickly catch up to the alien quartet of shelled gastropods and a fight ensues. A couple of interesting points. Jack blasts some powerballs at the villains that explode into many tiny powerballs that knocks out one of the visitors from another world, but then calls back and reabsorbs them when they start bouncing all around the place dangerously. Next, Franklin uses his dream self to take over the knocked out snail guy and proceeds to ninja the rest of them all unconscious. Question. 
What did these alien guys ever do to the pack? Nothing. Not a thing. Well, they did kidnap Franklin for some reason, so I guess that's enough of a reason for the beatdown. Except, Franklin started it. Okay, that's true. But just checking. Back at the Puppet Master's apartment, Alex clouds in and sees the villain of the story, the evil and vile Puppet Master, taking a nap. Then he sees the child henchman that the Puppet Master has doing his dirty work, who is a special needs kid playing with some toys. Instead of the ghostly, cloudy, horsey form of Alex scaring him, the young boy just looks at Alex and asks if he wants to play. Philip Masters was asleep on the couch, but wakes up at the noise, and just in time to see Tattletail show up. Then it all clicks together for old Puppet Master. There was a figure of Franklin that the Puppet Master made back in the day that he had put away, but his son Morty must have gotten it out of storage so that he could have a friend to play with. He swears that he is not evil anymore. He did not know that the innocent, non-radioactive toys he had made would lead to anyone being harmed. He does take full responsibility for what happened, and he invites the kids to come back for a visit in the future, where hopefully they can all be friends. Later than at night, the kids, sans Alex, return home to happy, laughing parents. Everybody's so happy. Franklin is even told that he had a call from his parents and that they want him to call him back. Oh, how joyful. It is a good thing Alex is not here to ruin it all. And then Alex shows up. Oh. Hooray. He cloud sneaks into a room where Franklin is finishing his call. The two have a long, nice talk, with Franklin more or less telling him to stop walking around with such a long face and enjoy being a freak. He has friends, he has family, and that is the most important thing in the world. Besides, he looks like a chameleon now, and chameleons are beautiful. The rest of the children of the Power family hear their voices and want to talk to Alex too. But Franklin won't let them. Hooray! That is all well and good until Jim shows up and finds most of his kids outside of a locked door. He demands to be let in and is faced with a pony boy version of his eldest son. Nah, it can happen. Alex rushes to his dad's arms, crying. Jim, crying too, just hugs his son back because he is a good father and he can deal with this. It is at this point when Maggie, wondering where everyone went and hearing crying behind an unlocked door, walks in. And unlike Jim, who walked in and was reduced to tears and hugging, when Maggie walks in and sees the scene, she is reduced to... fainting. To the floor. Amongst the hooves and the heels of her son and husband. Well, that is not good for her again, I'm sure. Next issue, A Ghost of a Chance. Themes of the issue, themes of the issue, themes of the issue, turtle power. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but we're back packaging time. We're going to talk about the cover of this issue, which I hate. <laughs> it's not as bad as you might say, but yes, it's pretty bad. Now, I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. And this is by Tom Morgan. And I'm like, it's just, it's really upsetting. The kids look horrendous. All right, let's set this. Let's set this. <laughs> We'll get to the, the top line, which I think I've never noticed before. I've just you know blanked out. But mm -hmm. we've got this kind of black background with these kind of white fades coming off the side. A street with a sewer, a manhole cover that's being opened. And you're seeing these four aliens come out. These uh, Seagramites of Reality 829 come out. And you see them uh, crawling out of the sewer. And... Above the sewer, above the manhole cover, 
is Power Pack. And you've got Katie in the front, and then behind her, you've got Franklin and Jack, and then behind them, you've got Alex and Julie. Now, let's talk about the kids. Katie just, she's got this kind of fearful look on her face. One arm is not colored. <laughs> One arm's not colored, and she looks like she's got, you know, man arms. Um, her body's very tubby. It, it's, it's, it's just kind of blob it's there's no definition jack's got some muscles on him and he's got this angry kind of look on his face and his hair is really big franklin is probably the one who looks most like himself and he's not too bad but he's kind of a little in shadows then we have julie julie is just towering over the other three kids and her hair is big and poofed out and alex looks like he Oh, who's the guy from Umbrella Academy? The old, the the brother that's got the gorilla body. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now, but let's just call him the Mountain. Uh, yeah, off of you know from Game of Thrones. It, it is. It, it's just he's just built like a brick house. Yeah, which once again, it's like <laughs> he's done, he never appears in this issue looking human. So. Yep. It why is, even draw him on the cover? It is human. Al- it is a giant beefy human Alex with a full head of hair. And he's wearing his uh, blue Mass Master costume, as opposed to being Chimelian with a full head of hair in a red and white uniform. Yeah. And it says at the top, it says teenagers, and there's a hyphen in teenagers, so there's that. Teenagers, question mark. Mutants, question mark. Ninjas, question mark. Turtles, question mark. Nah. There's two teenagers. There's one. There's zero uh, teenagers. Alex is a teenager. Alex is not. Alex is 12. He uh, doesn't sure. turn 13 okay. until, you know, power pack okay. number one, grow up. That was one of the big themes on that. So uh, mutants. Okay. So we've got one mutant in here at this time. Franklin Richards was a mutant. Yep. So it's mutant, not mutants. Ninjas. There's no ninjas here. <laughs> turtles. Well, there are no turtles, no turtles. here. Yeah, whatever. They came from the sewers. Yeah. I just, I, I don't like the artwork. I think it's... The artwork is not good. Um, yeah, the kids never look great. I don't think that uh, they've drawn a realistic or decent-looking Katie yet. Jack always goes kind of back and forth. You know, we'll get into it possibly when we're getting into the comic. Julie, mm. you know, has got the giant hair. Julie just looks perpetually tired. She looks like <laughs> an older, kind of worn-out worker of the streets kind of thing but she just she just is got just perpetually just exhausted yeah. looking face that is her it, it's, that's the it's default not a good look no it's not but it's it's almost kind of a a default you know it's their default look for julie is very just worn out yeah so inside the book inside the book we got some other questions there is a i had to do more research for this silly story that really goes nowhere, except to just give some backstory of a couple of plot points in this book that, once again, the creators are bringing into it. Every issue, this creator is reaching back into Marvel history to pull some a couple some obscure stuff out of nowhere and put it in here for no real reason. I want to start with the aliens because they're the incredibly perplexing, but they're easier to explain without going too crazy. So back in the 1980s, there was the there was actually two Hercules miniseries, four-issue miniseries. And at the end of the first one, he meets these Sigramites of Reality 829. And their entire thing is that they've got this party planet, and Hercules and the recorder go to this party planet, and they have a big old party there. Yeah, they they like to party. That's it. 
Okay, that kind of explains their uh, mannerisms and attitudes. And they do have that radical dude attitude kind of going on like uh, turtles would. But yeah, it's they want to get pizza and they want to get beer. And, oh, you know, alley-oop and cowabunga and all that jazz. So Yeah, the the, the fourth ep- episode, they, they had this big feast for Hercules and their leader. And they, they, they gifted the Olympian with a, a flask of this potent liquor. And yeah. It's a thing. At the same time, Nova. Remember Nova? Yeah, she's in this Hercules series too. Oh, oh, so okay. apparently, so apparently, he really likes this series. Yeah, I'm I guessing. think so. Or maybe it was the only comic that uh, they've read in the Marvel universe, and it was like, I think this is uh, this ought to summarize sixty years of comics. We'll just come out of this one, one, uh, one to four issues. Yeah. So you know, she has this fight with Hercules there, and and they kind of go back and forth to this planet and. At the end, uh, Hercules and Nova hook up. So there's that. <laughs> well, it's Hercules. Hercules, uh, he, he pulls, man. He pulls. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got that going for you. Um, <laughs> it's very strange. It's, it's, it's a weird pull, especially since this is a future version, and they're kind of from another reality. And there's no explanation. They mention the Hercules miniseries, which is in the future. And they're here on Earth. And there's no connection as to why this goes on. And really, if we think about it, I'm not sure exactly. There's no real point that it ties together. The only radioactive clay that this kid was playing with was the doll, Franklin Richards. Yes. It wasn't the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. So they, he just was playing with them. And it just random, totally random, absolute happenstance that these snail creatures were there. Yeah, in regards to that, I think the only reason that Franklin got triggered, you know, with the the doll being played, is that it was these Seagram 7 aliens were so close to, like, the turtles that were being played with that that, you know, with the little Franklin doll that the Morty kid was playing with, that that triggered Franklin into being like, oh, now I'm going to attack the the turtles that I was attacking in my toy form. It's... It's pretty yeah. loose. It's pretty out there. There is a thing in here where, you know, normally it's Puppet Master is the only one that can kind of control them. Alicia Masters can do it, too. She's done that in at least one comic that I can think of. But even in this issue, you know, Puppet Master is bemoaning the fact. He's like, I made I made these radioactive toys so good that even Morty could control people. I'm so sorry. You know, so it's like, okay, it's kind of a universal control, you know, remote control. Yeah, it's fine. It's just, it's like the first time through the book, I was thinking, oh, the Puppet Master mixed up his clay and made these these turtle things with the clay. But that didn't make sense because I don't think the kid was playing with him eating pizza for six hours a day. But no. I don't know. Who knows? It, it just, there's a lot of weird, it's a not well put together plot or story. It really isn't. It really is not. I don't think it even goes anywhere, does it, with them? The, nope, the nope, They're nope, just aliens. They come in. They eat some pizza. They get in a punch-up. They're quirky for a bit. And then, poof, vanish this is, into the this night. This is a complete one-shot story that only has one important element into it. And we're not going to talk about that yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Now, let's get to the even more bewildering thing. And that is Miss Raymond. So... This goes back to our mysterious Raymond guy that we've been seeing. They were setting this up that apparently the thing that they're trying to set up is that he is the missing Toro, who was apparently killed by or, or killed during this outing with the Submariner. That's what the kind of setup is. And she's here, apparently another just random coincidence. She happens to be the teacher for Katie. 
which is fine and all if, was, if there wasn't this entire other storyline that's going off in the West Coast Adventures, how she was all the way out on the West Coast trying to find her missing husband. She, she's working with the West Coast Avengers to try to locate her uh, missing husband. They go through all saying they find the original Human Torch's body and there's an entire thing that goes on with her that she ends up getting together with the original Human Torch. And it's a thing. It's a thing that I have no knowledge about other than what you're saying. I have zero recollection of uh, any of that. I, I, I had to go back through and reread the stuff because it left no imprint on my mind whatsoever <laughs> after reading it. But I was like, I own these issues. I know I read this, but I was like, ah, I don't know, whatever. It's it's bewildering and it's crazy. And this series is going to end in a couple issues and they kind of drop that entire plot of Raymond. He kind of fizzles out and disappears, and they kind of retcon it away later on, even. I, I'm asking what any of this has to do with Power Pack. It's nothing to do with Power Pack. It's a Fantastic Four Avengers type of a story, and it's something much more long-term that would be more interesting and involved with them. If you're trying to get Power Pack into this larger universe, you can do it different ways than this. This doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm not sure why Michael Higgins is using this vehicle to try to tell this story. Because it's not that interesting of a story. And he's not doing very well. It, instead of focusing on these other larger Marvel Universe stories that are, that are actually not mar larger. It's just a minor Marvel Universe story that, that's I, That's over the all these problem things. is that it's, it seems like they're pulling a lot of minutia from yeah. you know, even then in the past. Right. You know, we're looking back 35 years. It's like he's looking back 20 to 30 years as well. Right. And pulling stuff up. The outlawed thing's going on right yeah. now. I'm going to pull up uh, Johnny Rival. Everybody yeah. knows Johnny Rival, right? He featured in Power Pack, and that's about it. You know, it's just this very minutia thing. I would even go further back than that. I would say we're doing the outlaw thing. We're going to bring up the Boulder Crusher. That the Oh, kids, yeah. This, yeah, there's Anthony yeah, Boulder Crusher. An yeah. That's more this level. It's kind of like this tiny little thing that they're going to prick out here. Yeah. Why? Instead of trying to do this bigger story, how about setting up and writing a good power pack story? Because you haven't yet. Yeah, and that's what's funny is in this issue, because I, you know, I knew that we were going to talk about, like, why not write a power pack thing? And we've kind of I've discussed before where it's like, oh, power pack was only in 13 of the pages of this issue or 14. Yeah. And I was looking through this one and they were surprisingly in almost every page. But, but it, what did they do? It didn't. Well, that was what I'm getting at is that although they were throughout the comic, it didn't feel like they were there. Yeah. The, you know, there was stuff that was going on. It's like, okay, Crane and school and horse Alex and stuff. But it was, uh, it was, it, it felt very much like they were in a lot less of the comic than they were, which is a weird feeling. The only thing they did is they went to school and we didn't see anything about them being in school. We saw them go to school and we saw them come back to, from school. And there was a couple uses of their power. Yeah, they went to they pizza went to and then school. they beat up some people in a sewer. I, I got to tell you this. The, the title of this episode is correct. Back to school. Yep. That's what, That's what they, they did. did. Yeah. And yet, we didn't see that. And we saw a bunch of other stuff. And none of it was about power pack. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah. So, let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. Which is the horse Alex. Yeah. We are kidding. He's not an elephant. He's a horse. Yeah. He just, he just stands out. Yeah. So this is this is what it's all been leading to. Michael Higgins had this idea 
and he's been kind of teasing it through. Alex is losing his hair. He's going through some changes. His powers are getting all wacky. And all of a sudden, he wakes up, and he's a chameleon. Now, we go back in time about 30 or so years when this came out, and this upset people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just in the past. I gave this guy. I got finished the other night. It's in the present, too. I got the other finish the other night, and we, and my daughter and I did our, our recording for the last episode where, where I had to ask her some questions about what's going on. And we got to the last page. I'm like, Connie, do you know what's going to happen to Alex? And she's like, I'm not sure. And I said, why don't you sit down here? I'm going to get these things, a couple things done. While I'm sitting here, why don't you start reading the next issue? She got about three or four pages in and looks at me. And she goes, I'm upset. <laughs> this is my 10-year-old daughter who's been on this thing. She did not know this was coming. I didn't tell her. She looked up at me. She was physically upset and i you know it's not just us no it's, it's not, not just us looking at an adult I, I remember reading this as a kid i'm going what's happening what is happening this isn't good writing this isn't this is i'm not too f- big a fan of the art what's going on i'm gonna keep collecting this i guess but i'm i mean yeah. this is it's not it's not the top read anymore. No. It's like, I would get them. This is going to be the last thing I'm going to read. It's like, it's a chore to read these books now because it's not what I've enjoyed. It's not enjoyable. And it's weird. And it's not weird in a good way. It's not challenging us. It's bringing up some weird stuff. And it's like, if he's turning into chameleon, you know what I'm doing instead of going to school? I, I know that my father knows about our powers. Yeah. We're going to tell our father. We're going to lean out the window and say, Friday... We need a lift. Yep. We need to get going back to Camellia right now. Finally, they knew somebody like really, really smart who dealt with like, you know, interstellar things all the time. Uh, if only they had a connection to the Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of things they could be doing. Number of things. Instead, Alex is burying his head in the sand and saying, this is, oh, what was me? What was me? What was me? Stop. You've, you know, the chameleons. This is their problem. You got to go there. You got to get this solved. And it just does not seem to be in the conversation at all. No, there is one time when Alex is in Central Park and he's like, I wish Friday was here. Hey, is that Raymond? No, it's not Raymond. And then that's it. That's the whole thing. He doesn't try calling for help. He doesn't do anything. It, it's the Their interactions are very weird. But so yeah. I know that. So Carrie was physically upset by horse Alex. You are upset about horse Alex. I know that several of our listeners have commented on it and just been like, you know, it's just, and I get that. I totally fully do. But my take on it in the Marvel universe is that it is a rite of passage to transform into something for a little while. Sure. For you know, one of my favorite heroes, I'm going to use Spider-Man as an example. And yeah. you know, excluding things outside of the 616 where he's been a zombie, a spider-human hybrid that was Apocalypse's pestilence, any number of spider monsters, a heap of spiders that ate Peter Parker and called itself Spider-Man, etc., etc., etc. Let's just focus on things he's transformed into in his main continuity. He has been a six-armed Spider-Man. He has been a six-armed man-spider. He has been a spider-monster any number of times. He has been a giant spider. He has been a spider-hulk. He has been a spider-lizard, a la Kirk Connors. He has been a clone more than I want to talk about. He has been Dr. Octopus. He's been dead on more than one occasion. And this is just my rough run list. You know, I'm sure Sure. that... There's any number of other examples that could be, people could name out. And there are times when people have liked the stories, and there's yeah. times when people have hated those stories. Exactly. And, th- and, and that is all fair. 
The problem is, is that even when people hated the stories, you can still look at it and say, okay, the writer and artist still understood the character and mm-hmm. they were writing a story that just didn't hit with people. We haven't seen that this creative team understands these characters. There is that. They, they, they have a broad strokes understanding. Yeah. But Horse Alex, I, I think I fully understand and comprehend what is upsetting about it to people. I fully, fully do. But I also have enough experience now just to say this would be a transitional tale this would be a story arc he will turn back the you know the table will get reset the toys will get put back on the shelf they'll reset to star trek one uh it's just that they were they were going to run with a chimelian alex for a while and then it was going to be a story beat that would be forgotten and then maybe brought up again in the future for somebody else it's just once again it's like if you're going to do this then then what's you know when you ask the question of creating the plot and story it's it's what's next okay here's what's going on then what's next and it's like the person just looked at him and said, I don't know. I don't know. What's next? Well, it's kind of like... And, and that's the thing is that, is yeah. that we were like, Alex is an alien. What's next? We've already said it. He calls for help. He go he goes to Camellia and Camellia says, well, this is something we haven't dealt with before. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's next after that? Oh, we, we have a theory that it could be related to this thing. Oh, well, then what's next? Oh, and so forth and so on. You you build off of that story beat instead of just like, we've introduced horse Alex. Okay. On with the story. And and there's no story. There's mm-hmm. no story. Yep. Change for change's sake is not good. If you're if you're doing the change so you can lead to a better story, if you're building it up to something that's interesting, okay, we're not seeing it. Yep. And we haven't seen it in the past. So it's like it, it just feels like they are more interested in telling stories of minor characters from the past of Fantastic Four and other things. Mm-hmm. Then really grasping onto what they've got going on here. Yeah. It is weird that it, it's it got that. You know, yeah. and yet there is a lot of just like they have thrown so many just story ideas up in the air. It's like, well, what if. Well, what if Nova's evil? What about Starstalker? What about, yeah, what about the Elan? What about Raymond? What about a homeless guy? What, where, yeah. And I'll tell you what, I will give the writer credit. You're turning Alex into something else. Okay, that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with it? Yeah. Ah, you've decided that you're going to bring in these these silly kind of turtle things because you read this book and you made you think of the Teenage Mutant Trolls. We want to bring them in. We want to use the Puppet Master to do it. Okay, then... Tie those connections a little closer. Mm-hmm. You know, make it be that the puppet master messed up, and when he was designing these toys, he, somehow or another, some of his radioactive clay got into the mixture, and that's why when the kids started playing with them, that these aliens came up. Or it's a twist on it a bit. Like here's an even better thing: he made these things. There's no radioactive clay in them at all. There was for the the Franklin doll, but this kid's got his own powers. That. Oh. They're just coming up. Okay, that when Morty he starts playing that. with yeah. things, he he warps reality. And you discover that. There's an interesting story. And it just so happens that he's warping reality and he grabs a Franklin doll and game on, Donkey Kong. Yeah. Or it could, you know? or it could be that, uh, yeah, like uh, Puppet Master was making, you know, specifically going, okay, I need to make sure that the radioactive clay does not get anywhere near my Sculpey. And I'm mm-hmm. doing this. And then he's like, oh, I got to go do this thing over here. And then Morty comes in and like, Oh, it's playing with the clay, and he puts some radioactive clay in there. Or Puppet Master, you know, Philip's wife comes in and goes like, oh, this needs to be together kind of thing. Something like that. <laughs> There's any number of things that could have happened there, yeah. 
and you know what I would have also liked to seen too I would like to seen the puppet master say I am trying to to turn my life around and you came in and attacked me and my family make this a two-parting story mm-hmm. where like he takes revenge on power pack for coming in and, and and you know stopping his son and he's protective of his son do something like that mm-hmm. make it a little interesting you know j- change it up a bit do something a little different you've got a couple of nuggets of a good idea it's just what are you doing with it? Yeah, there's nothing around it. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know if this is his fault, or I don't know if this is the fault of his plot assist, Seth Crutchcow, who has been with Michael Higgins in this book and a few other places throughout his career. We have been doing Creative Team Spotlight, or I have been doing Creative Team Spotlight, and I have been doing a bang-up job of failing to really talk about any of the creators in here. Because this creative team just doesn't seem to be very deep. Seth Crutchkow is a prime example of this. I cannot find anything out about this guy at all. He's the plot assist. He is here helping Michael Higgins develop the plot for this story. He also has worked on other issues with him, including the upcoming issue that we're going to talk about with Excalibur. That's going to be fun. Excalibur 29. So we're going to talk about that one coming up. And he's it's written by Michael Higgins, and he's a plot assist on that one as well. He also did a story with, with Michael Higgins in What The? Number 18. They wrote a story about Charlie America. That's about it. That That is about it. I cannot find anything else out about this guy at all. I'm guessing that he was friends with Michael Higgins. He was helping out with, with plot assisting, and that is his entry into comic books. Could be. Could be one of those, like, uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon things where... Except one of those couple, one of those pairs have won Academy Awards. Yeah. (laughs) The other have not. I just think it could be be one of those situations where it's just like, oh, yeah, on Tuesdays I hang out with my buddy and I'm telling him about the comic that I'm working on. He's like, oh, hey, what about Nova? You know, kind of thing. Hey, how about Starstalker? Do you remember them? It's like, oh, I got this by just talking to my high school friend and we were talking comics and I was like oh yeah I remember reading that one yay you know kind of thing who knows yeah I, I we don't know I I looked and looked and looked and I would be happy to hear anybody else give me some background on this guy because I cannot find any whatsoever yeah when Rick was telling me he couldn't find anything I'm like oh, I'll look and I'm like mm, three power pack issues the uh, Excalibur, Excalibur 29 ooh a what the 18 huh yeah. And, and yeah that's it that's it that's it just off the face of the planet, at least when it comes to comic books. I mean, he he might be a real estate agent out in New York, I think. I think that's the other Seth Crutchkow I ran across. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, very light on the creative team spotlight. We got a couple more of these issues to go. I'll talk about a couple of other people coming up. But right now, we're going to crawl back into our shells where we got our chemistry set at Science Corner. In this issue, we meet some aliens from Seagram 7 who look a lot like a certain team of turtle mutants that are teenagers. But these creatures, in all reality, bear many physical similarities to some anthropomorphic snails. And this got me thinking, what's the difference between snails and slugs? The only significant morphological difference between the slug and the snail is the snail's conspicuous shell. This shell is large enough for the snail to completely retract into for defense. Some snails are also able to close off their shell once fully retracted. Slugs do not have this convenience of a mobile home for defense. Instead, many slugs have an internal vestigial shell to store calcium. Because there's no shell for protection, their soft tissues are prone to desiccation. 
Other than this big exterior feature, both Moloks have several similar features, like eye spots at the end of slender tentacles, downward-directed malice, and single, broad, muscular, flat-bottom feet, which is lubricated by mucus and covered with epithelial cilia. So, there you go, the difference between a snail and a slug. Now, I don't think that these aliens were teenagers, mutants, ninjas, or turtles, but I do know that they like pizza and beer, and that's pretty radical to me. And that's this week's Science Corner. Cowabunga, dude. Cowabunga. Cowabunga. <laughs> Let's move over on to the Power Thoughts. And this is where we like to talk about some of the things in the book that we did enjoy. And really, we need to because we've been pretty harsh to this book. So we're going to go over to the refrigerator gallery, see if we can find some art in this book that we think should be on that family refrigerator. You know, last issue, the one that the, the Alex, the still human-looking Alex, was looking into. Yeah, that one. So let's talk about some funny backup ones to start with. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, tell me a tale, you crazy giraffe, you. <laughs> I like that. My joke backup is on page 19, and I call it, I'm just, I'm just so tired, Allison. <laughs> and this is the bottom right-hand panel, and it's, uh, you know, Alex's girlfriend, Allison, talking to Julie. And Julie is towering over her, but it's just... The the expression of Julie's face, it's just her hair is just kind of disheveled looking and she just looks tired. She's just baggy eyes, sunk face, just like the world is hard and heavy and I have to carry it around all the time. It's just, She looks exhausted. She looks like an much more of an adult who is exhausted. And it's just funny to me that this is a, you know, like an 11 year old girl going back to school. She's going to middle school or, and she's just, just wrecked looking. <laughs> so yeah, she's 11. I, I'm just trying to compare my daughter's 10. Uh, yeah. My daughter better grow real tall real soon. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, it's either Allison is quite short, but Julie is very tall in this. And Allison looks old too. So, yeah, it, uh, we, we kind of know that the artistic team has a hard time drawing kids, so they're much better yeah. on doing adults, or even yeah. aliens for that matter. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Let's go ahead and go to the page before that, page 18. Mm -hmm. And I called this one The Wall. And I found this funny. Uh, this is where Jack stops all of a sudden. He's being followed very oh. closely by <laughs> uh, Katie and Franklin. And he stops to see his friend who's wearing the pretty nice young MC shirt. Jack stops and Katie and Franklin just slam right into his back. You know, he, Katie slams into him. Franklin slams into her. And the next scene, they're holding their noses because they smashed them. You know, I'm always a sucker for a good, you know, pratfall. And that's yeah. what we got here is a nice little pratfall. So bravo on that one, Tom Morgan. It's nice. I like it's, that a, one. it's a good little domino set piece where clink, clink, clunk. So yeah. clink, clink, clunk. Yep, yep, yep. What do you have for your funniest one? My top funny one is on page seven, and I call it, Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> and this is the bottom left-hand panel, and it's when uh, Jim has brought the kids to go see Maggie, who's recovered and laying in bed and wants to visit with her children and everything. But they're all, you know, head piled up looking around the door to see how Maggie's doing, and it just has that very... You know, Mark's brother kind of skit kind of thing going on. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. They're 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 all there by the height. It's it's kind of amazing that Jim can actually see over Julie because she's so tall. Yep, so tall and has so much hair. So much hair. So much hair. So much hair. Let's 
change the page to page 22, if you will, please. And on page 22, I call this one, I hate snails. <laughs> and... <laughs> And this is the fourth panel down. It's it's like the long, thin panel going across the top part of the page there. It's Franklin defenestrating himself through a window and just laying out this turtle up, or this snail. And <laughs> these snails must have glass jaws. I mean, he just is laying him out. That got a good laugh for me. It just <laughs> is so ridiculous and it so is. insane. I'm just like, okay, okay, sure. Right, whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah, Fine. let's give this four and a half year old uh, benefit of the doubt. Say he's forty pounds, yeah. and uh, yeah, he's just bar fighting these giant aliens around and flinging them through windows while punching them. That that is pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> Yancey Street Gang's got nothing on Franklin. That's right. Forget King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you have for your backup best art in this book by? That was penciled by Tom Morgan. My backup best one is on page three, and I call it Horse Alex. Yeah, this would be my top one. I, I chose this for my top one. Oh, it's good. It is very good. This was my it's top for a while, but then I, I flippy yeah. floppied. Yeah, it, um, we have been mocking the entire choice of turning Alex into a horse. It is ridiculous. It is insane. That all being said, Tom Morgan can draw himself one nice chameleon. Oh, yeah. He looks great. I mean, he... Yeah. He's going to do good on the Chameleon homeworld because yeah. he looks great. He's an awesome shape, you know, beefy, muscular, good-looking horse guy. Great, you know, floppy mane on him and stuff. I love the. I I really like the way the costume looks on this. Oh, I the, like the, I like the costume design. Yeah, I think that this is. We've been mocking the fact that he has been giving the boys muscles, which yeah. is like okay. Tom Morgan wants to draw a superhero with muscles. He's drawing Power Pack. Those things are not the same. Yeah. So he's got a moment here because Alex has now been changed and transformed. It's like, okay, all bets are off. If you're going to make Alex chameleon, make him a buff chameleon. Yeah, Why and, not? And sure, he did, go for it. And he, and he did, did a great job. It yeah. looks, it is a good looking bit of art. That is a yes. great looking chameleon. Yeah. With and the it's purple got, yeah, swirlies behind with the purple, it too. purple and black swirlies and the sun behind and everything. Yeah, it is a, a vertigo inducing Alex is a horse. Man from space. Yeah, it's it's just awesome looking, and I totally get why you made this your top one. Well, what's your backup then? My backup is all the way on page 31. And speaking of Alex and the horsiness of him, page 31, I got a man and his kid. Yeah. See what I did there? Oh, I I see it, I see it. This was see this what, was, see what I did there? Man I, and his kid. I saw kid. it and now I'm moving yeah. on. I saw it and didn't want to get involved, Rick. But you see, I, I was making the joke because it's against his kid, and his kid is also a kid. Yeah. You know when jokes are funny is when you have when? to explain them. I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> no, this is this is a good one. This was on my list, and then it got upsurped. So, yeah. So, yeah, this is, this is Jim holding his crying son, and it's just, it's a moment. You know, fine. Yeah. I, 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 and I buy this. I buy this beat. This is a good beat in this book yep. of... This is a good dad beat. And this is the Jim that we know. It's like Jim is dealing with a lot of this. And he's like, I still love you. You're still my son. You've got powers. You've turned into a horse. Okay. I'm still a good dad. I'm still going to be here for you. That is what we come to expect. So, oh, yeah. The, the power for parents are amazing. We're, we're reading into that as well, though. And it was because, you know, it's like when Alex did the reveal. It's like, okay, dad, you wanted to see me. Here I am. And, you know. 
Jim's response is, holy mother of... And then, you know, Alex comes running to him and does the, oh, sob, dad, sob. And Jim's response is, oh, Alex, sob. You know, it's just like, ah. But it, he is, he's he's bringing a son into him. He is providing comfort and support. And yeah. that is what makes Jim power an amazing dad. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Uh, you've got another top one. What I is it? do. And it is back on page two. <laughs> My favorite piece of art in this book is on page two. And I call it, is that the Joker? <laughs> and this is the bottom right hand panel. And this is just before the Chimelian reveal of, uh, of Alex. And it is simply a close up of uh, you know, a white hand kind of covering, but not covering part of a, a face just around an eye. So you just see those fingers around an eye and it's white skin and it's a purple eye. And if you drop this into a Batman book, I would be like, yeah, oh, it's the Joker. You know, it's that's what it looks like. It looks like the Joker just kind of having a little mental thing like, yeah, I've got a joke, but there's no punchline. Ha bats kind of a thing. For whatever reason, I like like negative space, lighting effects, and close-up of eyes in uh, okay. the power pack of my art. So I, I just really like this. I just want to answer you. The answer to your question is no. And mm. here's the reason. Mm -hmm. The hair is white, not green. Oh, it could be a colorist issue. Okay, so. <laughs> there you go. And that... That would that's that's the fix. That's how you know that it's like I'd be like, oh, it's the Joker, and you'd be like, ah, contraire, mon frere, the hair color's wrong, and I'd be like, oh, you're right. Is it Solomon I, and I, Grundy? And, and I usually am right, unlike Jeff, who's always wrong. Oh, I know it's because that next. means that's rubber and glue, baby. Yeah, that's rubber and glue. What is the best or most childish insult in this book? We're going to talk about that right now. I'm going to go back to a picture I chose, and that was all the way back on page 18, where the kids bump into Jack's back. And Jack makes a little comment back to them and says, beat it, tailgaters. Yeah. Tailgaters. Beat it, tailgaters. Yep. Yep. Us big kids yep. got stuff to talk about. Yep. Yeah, it's a good one. That was that was on my list. Yeah. I did not pull that, but yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I got. That, hit hit me, man. Hit me, man. I can take it. I'm rubber. I do like it. I do like that. Uh, my backup rubber and glue moment is on page eight, and it's actually something Jim said. Oh, okay. All and right. this is when he notices that his uh, eldest son is missing, and he's talking to Jack. He's like, "Hey, where where's Alex?" And Jack's all, "Uh, Alex," and. His uh, Jim's description of Alex to to uh, Jack so that he can recall who he is. He goes, you know, your brother, tall kid, not much blonde hair, not much. I just like not much blonde tall hair. kid, not much blonde hair because he had just gotten the buzz cut. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give that to Jim. I like that. <laughs> OK. All right. All right. That's fair. That is fair. I'm going to go back to page 17. I'm flipping back to the back of the book here. And I would like to give some credit to Julie because we don't get enough good Julie zings or good insults. Yep. And I'm going to give this one to Julie. And this is Jack is thinking that there's something weird going on because we got the uh, aliens that are bouncing around doing a bunch of weird things behind him. And he keeps missing them out of the corner of his eyes. And he's saying that I, I keep seeing things. There's something strange going on. And her response back is the only strange thing around here, Jack, is you. <laughs> that is a good That's one. A good one. That's that is a good, a good one. one. Yeah. That is fantastic. Yep. It's the very technically the aliens are just out of their line of sight because i mean they're yeah. bouncing around all around them all the time right 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 it's, they just are simply not seeing them for whatever reason right what do you got for your best one 
My best rubber and glue moment is on page 10. And this is when Jack is talking to Franklin about the, the dangers and perils of the women. And he's warning, warning Franklin about the kissing couple. And it's like, like, take a look at that, Franklin, and be sure you don't let any girls catch you. They'll be slobbering all over you, and the next thing you know, you're married, and it's all over. According to kids, the worst thing that can ever happen to you is getting married. Exactly. It's not so much an insult, it's just very, very childish. I just yes. thought that was great as just, it is the pinnacle of childish thought behavior, and I thought that's what... That, that, just, that just cinched uh, it for it. I agree, I agree. Let's go ahead and move to stars in detention. Let's talk about what child is the best, what child is the worst in this issue. And, you know, we, we only got a few more issues left. Although, you know, we're going to keep this going through the, the bigger stories that we're going to cover. We ain't done yet, folks. We ain't done yet. I'm just saying here that, you know, certain people that we've been rating like this have only a little bit of time left to really up their game. Yep. Right, is it going to happen this episode? Is Alex going to get out of the detention zone? Let's find out who is your worst kid, as we always go worst kid. Who's in detention? Alex. Oh, wow. That's a shocker. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, Rick. Why? Um, Why is Alex in detention? Because he uh, he's just not him. He's not himself. <laughs> he, uh, I he don't said it himself. Back. He's going through some changes. He's going through some changes. Yes, he turned into horse, and he is—he is all kinds of verklempt about this. He's got the feelings for it, and he just is talking about. He wants to end it all, and he's praying to God. Which, uh huh? Yeah, we haven't seen that in these kids, and so it's just as a weird twist. He just—I—I I didn't like him. I did not like him. I, I wasn't feeling—I wasn't feeling his terror at all. And, and it's weird. It's like, I know what happened to him. He changed into a horse. This is beyond his control. He's been, you know, these weird changes have happened. It's really shot to a system. But just, it, it, I didn't feel the connection to the character. And so I, I was like, okay, now you're just whining. Yep. I do get that. I fully get that. My default pick for Detention Kid was going to be Alex. Uh, but the more that I looked at it, I was like, well, wait a minute. Okay. Alex, understandably, is distraught right now. Mm -hmm. So I can cut him a little bit of slack for that. But I started looking at kind of like his engagement with things where it was like, okay, Franklin got him, said, hey, there's trouble. He immediately went to go help. When he got in there, he figured out he's like, you know, he's like, oh, hey, there's the puppet master. Well, he's not doing anything nefarious, but this henchman is who is, wait, that's a kid. This, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go in swinging and jackhammering people or force bubbling everybody because that's a man sleeping on a couch and that's a special needs kid. And... The kid is now asking me to play with him. Okay, sure. this it's refreshing to see superheroes go in with kid gloves on things like that and kind of go like, whoa, wait a minute. Because it is there's so many and it frustrates me to no end when it's just like, this is a trigger point. This is a situation that can go very bad right now. It is a situation where it's, it's under control. But don't add any matches or gasoline. And I've seen, you know, the standard superheroes come in with all the flamethrowers and it just makes it worse. So I was really glad to see Alex come in and go, mm, hold up. I have, I have a comment to make. Mm -hmm. You see, the reason why Alex came in and, and soft handled the situation is because unlike every other time with Power Pack, this time he actually did come in wearing kid gloves. <sighs> okay, first of all, you understand that a kid is a goat, right? Don't care. Still funny. 
you're, you're just going clo- <laughs> uh, close enough relations to make the joke so work for you. So who is your worst kid? <laughs> My worst kid is now Rick because, uh, okay, I, I put up with the little kid he's, joke for a while. He's wearing gloves. But... He's actually wearing gloves right now. Yes, so, you know, it's, I get it's, it's, a, it's a deep joke. Okay. I get, I get your Would deep you... cut. Colt <laughs> Full. Who's the worst detention Read a book. <laughs> no, okay. My detention kid is actually Julie. Ah, okay. And this is because... A precog tells you that danger is coming. Mm. You brush it under the floor and ignore it. Probably also the fact that she had the really bad lie with Allison. Oh yeah, that is a huge one too. Is she, she also the, changed? She also changed uh, her costume in front of everybody. She changed her costume in front of everybody. She didn't do what uh, Jack and Katie did, which was like climb in a hole and then do it under there after her manholes covered it up. Yeah, so she 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 costumed on in public. She had the terrible lie with Allison, who and then Allison is like, "Hey, can I come to your house and visit him later?" And she's like, "Okay." It's like you've just delayed the problem by hours you haven't fixed anything you're that is the worst lie ever she wasn't you know good and supportive for you know to alex you know frank yeah you know franklin was supportive right off the get-go yeah, yeah. everybody else not so much julie oh uh, you know it's so it, julie just had issues she did apologize to franklin later with after she flew them to safety and stuff she did fly save them and stuff but it was just she did just enough stuff that it was like hey so She's my worst kid. She's my detention child. Uh, the best one I'm going to go ahead and give to Franklin. Franklin, yeah, 100%. I, it's a very, very low bar. I don't think that the kids did much in this. I think Franklin did something. He, he found himself possessed. He went and got Alex. But when he was possessed, he took out a snail. Yeah. Uh, he came up with a really good pseudonym. I, I'm, I'm guessing that him and his parents figured that out ahead of time. But, you know... Franklin Benjamin, I like it. Yeah, it's no, nice. that's that's brilliant. I like yeah. that a lot. So, um, yeah, I just, he was supportive I, of Alex. He's the one who talked Alex down later. He's the one. He was the first one who was just like, Alex, you have friends and family. You have everything you need, and you look like some of our other friends, Chimelians, and Chimelians are beautiful. And you know, he's he's the first one who's giving human contact to him. He's hugging Alex and stuff. It's well, I mean, you know, he should do it anyways because apparently this is a fantastic four book that he's you know star <laughs> yeah. of. So. <laughs> Okay, all right, all right, enough of this. We It's time, we've, we've beaten up this book pretty bad. Let's go ahead and see exactly where we want to put it on our list. Uh, we have got a pretty good list here, and it's got a whole bunch of stories on here, 68 in total, and there's a whole bunch of good stuff at the top. But down near the bottom, starting at number 50, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and start at number 50. <laughs> we've got The Breakfast Club, and that's Power Pack number 28. About five more down from that, we've got Power Pack number 7, Man and Dragon Man. Spot 60, we have got uh, the Beta Ray Bill Thor episode, where our issue, where This Cursed Earth from Thor 363. Down at the very, very bottom, number 68, we've got Power Pack 56, and that's the Acts of Vengeance one. And that one is just offensive. So... This one physically hurt people. This one, <laughs> people did not like it. People did mm-hmm. not like it at all. Got some good questions here about what we think. A couple issues before this, we have uh, Starstruck. Uh, that's where Franklin steals from Galactus and the pack fights an evil Nova. <laughs> that's at 65. I think this is worse. Shelter from the Storm, that, 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 that's a, that is offensive. Boy. Uh, I would put this above Shelter from the Storm. I'm okay with it being below Starstruck. I kind of think this is better than Shelter from the Storm. Yeah, this one's a bad story, but it doesn't actively have problematic elements in it. 
I still think that X Factor Annual number two is in the wrong spot. I think that it, that the Shelter from the Shore Storm should be a below Man in the Moon. But for now, we're going to go ahead and put this as the new 66. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. In the meantime, I think I'm going to drink some more of my little beer here and ask you what you think of this nice little beverage from Maui Brewing Company, Coconut Hua. It's okay. The nose on it is smelling a little bit more toasted coconutty, uh, you know, after an hour of it kind of warming up. Still good. Though like like most other porters, it remains good when it warms up, which is yeah, nice. Uh, the flavor has remained pretty consistent. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's sweetened up a little bit, actually, as it gotten warmer. I think I can go with you on that one. It's fine. It is not amazing to my palate. I think it is okay plus kind of thing. Uh, I would drink these. I would gladly sit down and just kind of pour some of these down my down my old neck hole but it's not the most amazing beverage i've ever had so i'm yeah. kind of going i'm kind of floating at about a three five i i was at three five or four i ended up landing on a four myself i'm i'm enjoying this i i could easily buy more of this and i would not bat an eye yeah it would get more of my money it's a solid solid good beverage and like i said not being a real coconut lover i still don't mind the taste of the coconut in here so it's 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 quite good okay that's just my thing i think of knowing that it is a coconut porter i have other ones that i would prefer to get over this if you find it it's worth drinking yep and that's what we got but you know what else we got right now what kids perspective and that is where yes and that is where Rick talks to his 10-year-old daughter about the issue at hand, and I'm going to guess she loved it. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good, except for this comic. <laughs> yeah, we're reading this Power Pack comic, and uh, you got some opinions on it, don't you? First of all, what happens to their hair? Okay, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, their hair has changed. Their looks have changed. They're not quite right. What bothers you most about the hair? I don't know. It's just when I first saw Julie's hair, I'm like, hang on, who is this? Okay. It, it kind of looks like she had moth-eaten hair. <laughs> moth-eaten hair? Okay, no, just like really, really messy hair. Okay. Which is not really her. No, I agree. I agree. You also mentioned something about Katie. She either has pigtails or two braids. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. Not headband and hair down. And poofy hair. Yeah. So they don't look like themselves. Is there any other big changes you saw in this issue? Alex, it's a pretty big change. (laughs) What was your first feeling when you first read the book? Dot, 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 (laughs) dot. What is this? You were not very happy, were you? No. You were physically upset. Yes. And uh, I hadn't told you about this ahead of time, did I? No. (laughs) No, you went into it pretty blind. You went into it like a first reader. You went into it like we went into it when we were kids and read this first time out. And you didn't like it, did you? I don't know who likes it. (laughs) Is there anything about this issue that you liked at all? I don't know. (laughs) The issue is also about these... The puppet master's new stepson taking control of Franklin and he fights these aliens. What'd you think of all that? I don't know puppet master real well, but yeah. last time I checked, he was evil for good. Yeah, he, he he's usually an evil person that we don't normally see him in this kind of good guy role. I think there have been a few times where he, he has been good, but... He said he was sorry for almost, like, killing somebody or something. Yeah, he's he's tried to kill all of the members of the Fantastic Four many times. Yeah, 
And then he's like, I'm glad my stepdaughter has hanged out with Johnny Storm. This gets confusing. Around this point in time, his stepdaughter is married to Johnny Storm, but not really. And I'll get to that. In the past, the thing has always had a crush on Alicia Masters and looked like they were dating for a while, but then she turned him down and started dating Johnny Storm and got married to Johnny Storm. And then at some point in time, it turned out that she was actually a super scroll and it wasn't really her, but when she came back, she started up with the thing again. And right now, today, uh, the thing and Alicia Masters are married. <sighs> She's a blind uh, artist. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. Yeah, that was more information than you care to know, but it's much more interesting than this book. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to talk about this book? What'd you think of the cover? What'd you think of that cover? I don't know if really, if Alex really deserves to be on the cover. Does it look like Alex on the cover? Well, it looks like the skinhead Alex who was their last comic. What else can you tell me about that Alex, though? He's got a lot of muscles, doesn't he? Yes. He's really buffed out. He's like, oh, look at me. I'm so strong. But now I'm scared because there's But he's guys. not like that. He's 13 years old. Do you know any 13-year-olds that look like that? No. No, I don't, I don't either. I don't think I even met that many 13-year-olds. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about this issue? These aliens? Yeah, what did you think about them? They're like the ninja turtles. <laughs> Except they're snails. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even going to go. I've already explained where they're from. You can listen to the episode for that. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Oh, I was wrong. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Carrie. I mis I misconstrued many things, but still, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate that. You're our star. Psst. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 75, Power Pack number 57, Fire! With our guest, the irredeemable Shag, all the way over from the Fire and Water Network. Charlie Rose. Charlton Hero. Chris Lydon. Cullen Stapleton from the worst comic podcast ever. Green Lantern HG, another great episode, guys. You know, if I had started listening to you guys on this episode, I probably would not have liked the Power Pack. Yeah, you did say there were rough issues to get through. Guy on a Buffalo. Hoover Jeremiah and the 4 Million Years Later podcast. Jeremy Daw. Carl Disley. Matthew Birdsey. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Our guest Shag from the Fire and Water Network. Waffles from Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And he says, Shag may have just redeemed themselves with this episode. Great job, y'all. I want to know the backstory of that one. Oh, basically, uh, Shag ruins everything he's on. Oh, man, that explains what happened to our show. <laughs> also, it has been quite a while since we really thanked our Patreon supporters, and we've got a couple of new ones in here. So I decided just to go ahead and to add the list of all of our Patreon supporters and say thank you very much by giving you all a nice shout-out, starting with Awesome Andrew Burns. Cheerful Char Logan. Challenging Charles Gears. Daring Damian Witter. Dangerous Doug Jones. Exciting Edward Verrochi. Jovial Jeff Pollier. Magical Matthew Birdsey. Mythical Matthew Lazowitz. Rustic Rustin Fritcher. Superior Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad Shag Matthews. Stupendous Stephen Gray. Tyrannical Tim Price. 
terrific Todd Enoch. Wonderful wind. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on, including our junior agent submissions of On the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and my magnificent monthly Monday movie muckabout on Longbox Crusade Podcast and in its own feed now. You can find monthly Monday movie muckabout on its own feed. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick presents as a bi-weekly self-produced podcast I'm recording in front of a live studio audience of One Piece of Silly Putty in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page Jeff and Rick present, our email address Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support Support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes, Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is right behind you. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Well, we're about a week out from this event that I'm going to talk about. And I didn't this... even hit. I didn't even get to yell random banter yet. Ah, that's okay. It was so okay. bad, I'm not going to let you. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> do you want to just go and do the random banter and then I will, uh, I'll insert it in the right place? Oh, don't worry about it. I can I can cut that out. We have two okay. tracks. Oh, I know. I'm aware. Do, 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 do. I cut stuff you say out all the time. Oh, I know that you do. <laughs> I a lot of times I'm both, like, oh, I'm a... I cut stuff we both say out. Like, oh, we just oh, talked I over know. each other. Which one do I want to hear? Yeah. None of them. Scrap it all. Ten minute show. Just like your aunt. Just like. Just like Franklin ants. Just like. Just like Franklin's. Luckily, Katie saw the falling crane, and Julie flies the kids out of way, straight staving in their heads with a crowbar, just to complete the job that the crane failed to do.